surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and today I'm so excited for what we're going to talk about. We're getting back into sexual health. We are getting into vaginas and vulvas. And my guest today is Vanessa of Vagisteam on Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on the pod today. <laughs> yeah, same. So you are a life affirming sex, sexual health educator, trainer, and coach. Um, you come from a Haitian background. You use humor in your trainings. I just, I'm so fascinated with you and I'm so, so, so happy that I found you. Uh, just to kind of start off a bit, I uh, was wondering if you could talk just a little bit about what got you into this field in the first place. Wow. Um, be prepared for a really long answer. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so, hey, everyone. Um, Taylor, thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity to be on your amazing podcast. I've seen all the amazing work that you're doing, and thank you for elevating, you know, all of these conversations. So, yeah. thanks again. Um, so, to the folks out there, I'm Vanessa. Uh, I'm founder and creator of Vagisteam, which is a podcast and a workshop series, and I like to say that my journey started, uh, basically started like, you know, just from my background and from school. So mm -hmm. like Taylor said, I am the child of two Haitian immigrants and I grew up Catholic. And with that full identity, that means there was no talking about sex in my household. There was yeah. none of that going on. And so I went to Catholic school starting third grade all up until 12th grade and I like to think that, like, the culmination of those experiences brought me to the field. And so my, my, one of my memories, the biggest, I feel, shift and turnaround for me was uh, in 12th grade, we have this class called morality. And in morality class, a quote-unquote nurse, it's, you know, the yeah. only Taylor could see me, I'm making air quotes, uh, <laughs> came in and she was like, hey, y'all, um, so listen, before you go to college, here's some things you need to know. Um, uh, couples who use condoms will break up within four to five years. Condoms don't work. Couples that use birth control will break up within four to five years. For some reason, all her stats had four to five years attached, right? And hmm. me being the, the scholar that I was, yeah. I like was sitting in the front, taking my pen and paper, and I was like, bet, good to know. Thank you for this wonderful information. After years and years, right, of never having success. So, like, yeah. I knew nothing. I just knew, like, boom, this mm -hmm. is what we have to do. Yeah. And so I get to college. Freshman year, I'm walking across the quad, and I'm talking to a friend, now husband. And I was like, listen, when I have sex, I'm never using condoms. When I have sex, I'm never using birth control because I don't want to break up with my boo. And, you know, I'm going on and yes. on. And he's like, oh, my God, who hurt you? Where did you? Yeah. Where did you? How did we get here? <laughs> right. And he was just the look on his face is what kind of like 
I was like, what? What are you talking about? And this is when I knew that this knowledge mm-hmm. was not universal. And so, <laughs> so from that day forward, literally after he was like, you know, there's pregnancy out here and like, there's like HIV and stuff and yep. like, you got to protect yourself. What are you talking about? Like protection, STD, like none of this stuff was ever mm-hmm. a part of like my, my vocabulary or my world. And so it just really propelled me into just like getting all the information that I could. And I like joined all these campus groups and I just like started educating people on my campus about like staying safe and healthy and having safe sex and giving mm-hmm. out because like doing condom crawls at bars. And it really propelled condom me. Condom crawls? I think of, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we went to, so one of the things that me and my student group did, I created this call, thing called cookies and condoms. And so we like bake cookies on like a Friday or Saturday night and then we would like put them in baggies and like hand them out to people like people who are coming in and out of bars with condoms attached to them. Oh my god (laughs) you're making me want to go back to college can we do this group like today? (laughs) That's amazing. I like the guerrilla marketing stuff so I (laughs) so yeah I literally hit the streets and it really in hindsight got me thinking like I was robbed of something right I was Mm -hmm. robbed of education and knowledge and I feel like being robbed of that shows up for people in many different ways for me it was yeah. uh, a I felt fear all throughout mm-hmm. so I didn't really experiment I didn't really try I didn't really ask questions because I was so yeah. fearful because I just knew like you have sex pregnant sex pregnant mm-hmm. or condoms don't work and then yeah. for other people it can lead them down the path of Girl, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm busting it wide open all over the mm-hmm. place and still not knowledgeable of mm-hmm. the tools that you need to engage in safe and healthy and pleasurable behaviors. And so I think literally from that day forward and my commitment to myself throughout my career is I don't want another generation growing up without these tools. I don't want other people out here. And I know that other adults are just like me and yeah. how we grew up and not really having this information. So, Yeah. Thanks, Catholic school. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Catholic school is what got me. So answer your question, long story short, Catholic school is what got me. Being yes. a Haitian child is what got me in this uh, in this field. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and, and so you've been in this field now for over 10 years, teaching yeah. and, and empowering folks. And in 2013 was when you coined Vagisteam. Can you share a little bit about yeah. what what Vagisteam is, what that means? I'm so on board with this. Absolutely. So, um, so all throughout like my work, I've been, you know, just trying to find, be in positions and find ways to basically be in the sexuality field. And so uh, in 2013, while working, I, um, I work at a clinic. And what I noticed was that I just noticed that like the people in the neighborhood weren't really coming into the clinic. And I was like, what the heck is this all about? Like, do they even know that we're here? Do you, do they yeah. know the services that we offer? So again, like I did in college, I like hit the street. I went to go talk to all the businesses and basically try to find out like, hey, y'all, do you know we're here where we offer services mm-hmm. and folks like had their own preconceived notions. And so I was like, all right, how about we do this? How about I come into an around where I uh, work? There was uh, a lot of barbershops and hair salons. And so I was like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come bring the message to the people 
And while people are getting their hair done, you know, getting your, your shape yeah. up, I'm going to do education right there on the spot. Very nerve-wracking. I absolutely love doing nerve-wracking things. But mm-hmm. it was, and it still is a way that, and I still do it, it's still a way for me to bring messages to people in non-traditional settings. And so what I noticed was, barbershops were like, can you come and do it right now? Like, that's mm-hmm. dope. Like, come and talk about whatever you need to talk about. Hand out as many condoms. But mm-hmm. the beauty salons weren't really jumping in. And I noticed there was this, like, weird, like, why do you want to talk about this here? Yeah. Uh, ah. And so what I started to realize was, and what started formulating my mind, I was like, where do women go as a safe space to just let their hair down, literally? Yep. And yep. To, like, talk and just learn and share experiences. And when I started getting this like negative kind of um, reaction to bringing these sexual health conversations to beauty salons, I was like, okay, you know what? I need to do something. I know that there are so many adult women who never got the tools and are still probably Mm -hmm. walking around without the tools. Let me do something. So basically what I did was like, open up my house and have like my homegirls come over. They brought their homegirls. We'd get some Trader Joe's snacks. And, you know, we just talk about everything from like Vag 101, which is one of my like signature workshops, yeah. orgasms to relationships to whatever. And so in the course of doing that, the workshop started to outgrow my house. So I would have people in my house at like two o'clock in the morning. Strangers would be in my house. And, you know, so I was like, okay. Yeah, I gotta gotta find another space to host this. And so one of the workshops that we did was around, um, was around uh, trying to, how do we build the confidence in our vaginas and of our vulvas? And I was like, okay, what am I going to call this workshop today? Like, I can't just call it like, confidence in your bag. Yeah, love love your vajayjay. Right. People of Volvo was already taken and stuff. So I was like, you know what? What can I call this? And what is very specific to what I'm talking about? And mm-hmm. so that's where essentially after that workshop and during that workshop, Vagisteam was uh, coined. And so I like to say that Vagisteam is basically building the literal esteem of your mm-hmm. vagina and vulva, vulva. And I do believe that this esteem encourages you to, you know, take care of your vagina and vulva, mm-hmm. look at your vagina and vulva, embrace it and bring pleasure to it. And so that's basically been the basis for everything that I do, just encouraging folks to just love up on themselves, love up on their bodies. And typically folks are like, well, who is this for? Is this for wit? Like, mm-hmm. you know, just for cisgender women. And the way that I answer that is, if you have a vagina, I want you to be up in the building. If you want to learn how to love yeah. up on your vagina a little bit more, I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, let's have this conversation and let's, um, you know, let's let's have the tool. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. my badge team. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that I mean, I'll I'll kind of expand this out instead of just saying women here, but people, vulva owners, people with vulvas. Yeah. I think there's yeah. often this like sense of almost like disgust of like ewy like ew uh-huh. like I've had friends where like you know I talk about this stuff and they're just like oh god no like I don't want to see that like there's an account that I follow on Instagram the vulva gallery and it's just all yes. these different like pictures and drawings really of vulvas yes. and I'm like this account is so empowering and so valuable and for some of my friends even just looking at it they're like ew like I don't want to see that like that's gross and I'm like 
girl, that's your vulva. Like, no, you gotta yeah. be like, that's a part of you. Like, you gotta build her up. Like, don't talk down to her Absolutely. like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm so glad you brought up the vulva gallery because um, it's, it's important. That's the number one thing that I have in all of my Vagistine workshops, images. Because yeah. folks don't see themselves. A lot of times, folks with vaginas, mm-hmm. they're not really looking and the way that our anatomy is set up, you kind of yeah. have to like be you, in a position. You really, you got to get a mirror. You got to get all the way up in there. Like I have two uh, metal rods in my spine from my neck down to my butt. So like oh, I can't job. even, I'm like, I always warn get like out. people I am with intimately beforehand. I'm like, just so you know, like I try my best, but like there's probably some patches down there. Like, I don't really know. It's, I really, I do my best and I like to have some hair there anyway, but I'm like, yeah, you really got to like you got to get prepared to put in some effort right. to really examine and get in there and start building that relationship with your vulva. That's right. That's right. And the thing is, it's like, I am so happy you brought up like these reactions because that is so true. It sounds ridiculous. And whenever, uh, whenever I talk to, you know, people with penises and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's absurd. How can you go your whole life without looking? It's a lot of people's realities and the messages that we receive, the things that we're told, even like when I'm teaching, I teach across a lifespan and the most visceral reactions come from um, kids in like fifth and sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And whenever I'm like, y'all got to look at it, even then at that young age, you're like, ah, and I'm like, look, I didn't ask you to look at somebody else's. I said, look at your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be familiar. But there's clearly, even at 10 years old, you've already yeah. formulated this thing in your brain about this part being disgusting, mm-hmm. this part being a place that smells like fish. That's always the thing that comes up. Like, eh, I don't want to look at it. It's ugly and it smells like fish. And I always got to turn around and be like, have y'all ever seen balls in your life? Them things are discolored. Them things are lopsided. Yep, have yep. you seen a penis? It is two-tone. Like, I don't, I don't know about white penises, yeah. but... For black men, that thing is two pounds. Like y'all, stop talking yes. to me about <laughs> stop talking to me about what's scary. Like, have you have mm-hmm. you smelled balls? They're not yeah. that great. Have you yeah. get out of here? And so it's only this one sided, just like this very one sided argument mm-hmm. about what you know about our body parts. And I'm like, how is one so great? over the other when you know both of them are here for you know all of their reasons but yeah I just I feel like we have industries that feed into Mm -hmm. you know people who you know the products that are telling you to smell a certain way douching etc etc there's Mm -hmm. a whole industry telling you to be insecure or for you to build insecurity whereas folks with penises don't have that there's not a mainstream ball wash there's no like Hey, masculine hygiene. In a way, all of these messages, not only for like, you know, perpetuating our, our you know, it, our 
our economy, right, and, and feeding into these right. marketing dollars, but it also acts to suppress female sexuality or vulva yes. owner sexuality, yes. where I think yes. in our patriarchal society that an empowered woman in her sexuality yes. is very intimidating. And then I think yes. that that really throws off the dynamics between, you know, cisgender, heterosexual standpoint here, throws off some of that dynamic of power and throws off yeah. like the uh just the way in which our society typically tries to put men and women into these boxes mm. sexually mm-hmm. 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 you ain't lying you are not lying. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you <laughs> yes and i'm wondering like if you can talk a little bit here about like how you kind of start to walk people through that a bit i mean i know you have your workshops and then you also do the podcast as well but what kind of is maybe some of the steps involved in this work to help uh volvo owners get more more intimate and you know positively associated with their vulvas yeah oh my god do this you know y'all taylor taylor didn't tell me that we were about to be like on oprah's couch right now you know asking them good good questions um so I, I like to I like to uh, tackle this a few ways, right? So mm-hmm. uh, for the folks that listen to my podcast, every single guest that I have on there, the last question I ask them if they if they have a vagina, I ask them yeah. how do you build your vagina, right? And so mm. there's like 20 million ways that you know the folks on the show uh, discuss their their pathway. Mm-hmm. But when I think about how I start to begin this work, for me, one it's it's those pictures and the awareness. Right. Yeah. I feel like so many times, no matter if I'm at doing a you know home workshop or I'm doing a conference, folks walking in and just seeing images, I mm-hmm. always get you always have like a group of folks who are like, oh, my God, girl, that's what mine looks like. Or <laughs> um, like, oh, I don't even know it looks like that. Or some people mm-hmm. that who are like, oh, my God, I even know like other people's lips hung down like that. I always yeah. thought something was wrong with me. So. In reality, having folks see themselves is so important, which is why, one, it takes forever for me to find these images and pictures because, Mm. especially as folks of color, we don't really have too many, like, non-pornographic images Mm -hmm. for some reason. Like, you'll type in, like, black vaginas, and it's just like, yeah, put it in my pussy. I'm like, okay, guys, (laughs) uh, I just just want a simple... Mm-hmm. You know, the simple pictures, but I think the one, building the awareness of our body parts, two, knowing what those body parts do for so long, yeah. and I know that's very basic, but anytime I do like my badge one-on-one workshop, people are like, wait, it's supposed to smell like what? Oh yeah. my God, wait, the hair is supposed to grow like that? You know, those mm-hmm. just minute level detail things that we don't really think about, but are yeah. so integral in having us understand our bodies, the functioning. And mm-hmm. I like to have folks call out what those what those parts are. So the first thing anybody will realize is that I'll talk about how, like, what it was called for me growing up, which was boobun. And I don't know when I learned vagina and vulva, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, sometimes our associations are so yeah. deep, and sometimes those associations... And I have folks think about what were your first associations? Was it negative? Was it positive? Mm-hmm. Was it 
were you connected to it? Was it an empowering person being like, look at this? Like, yeah. this is like, look at I'm, it. Now, now <laughs> I'm thinking about mine and I'm like, my, my mama, my grandma, she would just say like your pee pee. And the only thing, <laughs> the only thing I remember, it was like, or yeah, it was like, I like a pee pee and like boys had wee wees. And yeah. it was like to make sure that I don't wear my bathing suit on like too long after it's been wet because then my PP will get irritated. And now, now, like I don't think I, I don't think I actually learned vulva as the correct term yeah. for like my outer yeah, vagina right. um, until like a few years ago. And yeah. now I have, um, I, I call them like my chosen family. She's basically mm-hmm. like my little sister. She's five years old now. And um you know, we were playing the other day and the ball kind of like came up and hit me in my vulva. And she was like, <laughs> she's like, oh, it, it hit your vagina. And I was like, well, yeah, my vulva. And then she's like, yeah, um, how come we don't have penises? And I was like, well, because some people are born with vulvas and vaginas yes, and others are born with penises. It. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it was your vulva. And I was like, yeah, like the inner part is your vagina. And so we were having these conversations and I was like, wow, she's five years old and she's going to grow up knowing that like this is her vulva right. and like we're going to have so many great conversations about it yes. so that hopefully she does have a positive association. But yeah, yes. mine was like, it's my pee pee and like make sure it doesn't stay. that's another one thing like make sure that they don't smell all right like y'all like there's just so much I feel like there's just so much to know but Mm -hmm. like the thing is is that a lot of how we were uh brought up with our bodies really makes I feel really makes a difference in how we you know carry this out and so for me for some of the work that I do it's like undoing some of that stuff like if you were taught that it was smelly and hairy and never to look at it and you're not supposed to touch it because I feel like that's the message that a lot yeah. of times we get or you're you're uh you're penalized or punished mm-hmm. for touching it or not even knowing that it brings you pleasure I think yeah. that's one of the things that we spend time doing uh in the workshops to mm-hmm. kind of like dig down deep and start unraveling that stuff and I always tell my participants it's about rewriting or undoing that shame that we learned because I feel like there's a lot of shame in in our bodies and so Mm -hmm. we kind of have to do this work of liberating ourselves liberating our thoughts because a lot of times the things that we're taught and I do and I feel like we do this stuff all every day all the time especially if you're on the path to being better I oftentimes ask myself, okay, if I'm having a negative reaction to something, why is that? Or like, if something's like making Mm -hmm. me weird, like feel weird, like why is that? And so I think it's the same work that we have to do when it comes to um, building our bad Mm -hmm. team and and growing in that path. Yeah. No, I totally, I I love that. The unlearning is a huge, huge part. Um, And then you were also saying like naming it and knowing the purpose of it, like what it does. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. been a huge part for me and feeling empowered in my pubic yeah. hair is understanding yes. that like it helps, uh, you know, with lubrication, it helps with more arousal because it's like, yes. you know, the, the nerves that are in the hairs. And so now like when I explain uh-huh. it or when I share it with people, I'm like, well, yeah, like it helps with my lubrication and it helps like things feel a lot better. So I'm increasing my pleasure by having my pubic hair there. <laughs> and yeah. It's there to like protect my vulva too. So like, right? Yeah. Why would I not have some there? Like it Absolutely. just it 
knowing knowing the functions that it serves has helped yes. empower me in my own badge yeah. esteem. There you go. <laughs> Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, I mean, I, I, now I feel like I need to take your whole workshop. Um, but no. one of the things that, uh, <laughs> one of the things that I've seen just kind of on your page and part of what you talked about in the beginning too, um, is like using humor when you teach about sex. Like, as you said, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of unlearning to do. Like people feel pretty uncomfortable talking about this kind of stuff yeah. in general. Um, you yeah. had posted, uh, <laughs> for Father's Day, a photo of Lawrence from Insecure. And I was like, oh my gosh, there she is. Yes. And for those of you that have never seen Insecure, highly, highly recommend watching it. There's been four seasons. Issa Rae is yes. fantastic. I love the show. And on your yes. website, you also have a whole section about like the hotation, which I want to make sure we talk about too. But yes. first, um, can we can we touch on this, this humor part first and kind of why you use it? and and how you use it. I mean, I've already kind of seen how you use it, but... Yeah! (laughs) So, so I appreciate... I I love when people see what I'm doing behind the scenes. Yes. Um, I do my stalking. (laughs) (laughs) But I love... um, Like, being funny, being humorous has always been, like, a part of my personality and just being loud, exuberant, and fun has always been a part of my personality and I feel like it's a huge part of this if we're talking about, like, branding it's just literally myself mm-hmm. just showing up in how I do education mm-hmm. and so yeah. for me and uh like Taylor's saying when you look at my page you'll notice I try to use a lot of like pop culture references mm-hmm. just because sometimes like I feel like as a sexual health educator a lot of what we're told and a lot of how we're taught is to like prevention and like yeah. you need to stop doing the thing and I'm the expert in the room and Sometimes folks can't always make the connections. And I mm-hmm. think about that when I think about things like um, when I think about things like consent and when I think about teaching mm-hmm. things like STDs, a lot of times the things that we teach people are not pertinent or relevant and or we don't know how to have people apply them to our real lives. And so that's where I feel like my personality and that's where I feel like the humor comes in to really help folks hone in on like, it does not have to be this one scary thing to talk about these topics. It doesn't have to be this like rigid, like scary, accusatory thing, especially if we're applying to something like consent. And for me, I feel like we do this, we do a disservice and we tell folks things like, you need to just ask people for consent. Well, where do they do that at? Like they don't, like no one does that. Never in our interactions has anyone ever been like, hello. Would you like to have the sex? Mm-hmm. Hello. Um, would you like to do this thing? Like we just don't. I'm dying right way. now because I do do that sometimes. <laughs> Where I'm like, I, I think it. I want to have sex it. with you. But like, but like your average everyday person, like we use very yeah. nuanced language in the way that we talk, right? We use, mm-hmm. we say things like, hey, I was wondering if you were like, you know, down to come over later. Yeah. What's up with it? Mm-hmm. We know what what's up with it means, but like that's not a traditional textbook. Mm-hmm. Like this is the way you ask for a consent type of way that we that we speak, and so you take this very rigid way of doing things, and then you want folks to apply to the everyday lives, and then wonder why like folks can't get it right. Well, we we need to bridge this gap between like you know basically what's happening in real life and the idealism that we have when we're when we're educators and so for me it's about 
uh, tying those two things together and really just trying to bring people in. For me, it's about bringing people in. And like I said, we're having courageous conversations. So it's already hard enough uh, mm-hmm. to do that without all of that pressure of like, uh, am I doing this right? So yes, mm-hmm. come over and find some funnies. Yes. 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 And so part of what I'm hearing then that I wasn't really expecting, but that I love about this piece is that the Mm -hmm. humor for you is also just a part of you showing up authentically as a, uh, as an educator, as a trainer. And I think that bridging that, like uh, one of the reasons I love having experts and professionals on here to also talk about their own personal journeys in life is to like help humanize the professionals. Um, So I think that that part is really cool that that's just a part of you showing up authentically. And I'm curious just kind of how your identity, you know, not only from a humor perspective, but from being Haitian and and having this background with being Catholic and, and whatever else, just how your identity informs the work that you do. Do you feel that that there that you have a, I guess 
the the type of people that are searching or seeking out your work is that pretty representative or does that feel like it's more um narrow focused is it more like heterosexual cisgender you know white women is it what's kind of like the typical client that you see yourself working with yeah so typically and uh brand research (laughs) (laughs) and just like the folks who show up to my workshop i have all types of folks show up to my workshop because again i like to be Mm -hmm. very specific in telling folks like this is not for cisgender women this is for Mm -hmm. folks who have a vagina and want to appreciate their vaginas and learn about them more and so typically uh women of color are the folks who are more drawn to my work like Mm -hmm. i have everyone i have men Mm -hmm. that that, you know are always writing me dms and saying like this work is so amazing and like you're teaching me things i didn't even know or you're helping me unravel these messages that i received as well Mm -hmm. Uh, but typically yes women of color and i'm very specific about uh black women in particular and women of color uh being uh, majority of the guests that are on my podcast. So like mm-hmm. 98% of guests I have on my podcast are women of color, are black women, because for me, it's about elevating those stories that we don't get to see in the mainstream. So when we're thinking about yeah. things like Fifty Shades of Grey, when we're thinking yep. about romance novels, when we're thinking about yep. the things that we see in mainstream sex, we aren't mm-hmm. seeing like a jet setting Jasmine. Like I know you had, Love you know, her. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, a couple yep. of weeks ago on your podcast, we don't see these, we don't see ourselves, which is why I feel like we're also, we have a lot of learning and undoing mm-hmm. to do because I think for a long time, especially as women of color, we're seen as either being fetishized or tokenized. And a lot of women of color are doing this work as well, but they yeah. don't have the clout and the platforms. Um, mm-hmm. and the reach to be able to get their messages out. So for me, uh, when I really started my podcast, I was very intentional. Like, this is who I want because I want people to know, like, we are out here doing the work. Like, we are out mm-hmm. here talking about sex and we're having a good-ass time and we have yeah. cuddle parties and we ha- yes. do our own porn and we, you know, sell mm-hmm. toys. Like, whatever it is. Um, because And we do live and have sex and have fun live while living with STDs and stuff. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, when we're looking, when we Google these, and it takes a lot of research for me, because when we're Googling these names, like, oh, I love a guest who can talk about X, the number one things that come up even on the search engines are like, Mm -hmm. oh, this person who ended up in like Teen Vogue or this person, like, and it's mostly a white woman that, you know, that has the the bigger audience and the bigger platform. So for me, it's really about, you know, women of color, black women, especially seeing themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in our in our pleasure and in these sex and sexual conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, like, I, I get a lot of people that like request to be on the podcast, and yes. so frequently it's white women with their like female empowerment messages, and I just it. <laughs> It's a bit overwhelming sometimes and I, you know, I encourage people to, you know, submit to be a guest and I'm always like open-minded to hearing other people's, you know, experiences in life, but time and time and time and time and time again, every time it's a white woman with this message where I'm like, you're already, first of all, you got the dollars and the support to even have someone out here marketing and doing all this stuff for you. Okay. Okay. B, yeah, I totally hear you on that piece of like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like that's, you know, that's white. And 
Yeah. Uh, even like I have a background from being on The Bachelor and all of that is white mm-hmm. love. It's white romance. Yeah. And like we don't see, <laughs> we really don't see like that black romance, that black pleasure that's not fetishized yes. in a mainstream exactly. platform. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so funny you say about like who's reaching out because I it was like last year when I had someone reach out and they were like, you know, I love your work. I've been following your work and, you know, all of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I love words of affirmation is my thing. Same. So like mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, that's great. And so, you know, they, of course, were like, I'd love to be on your podcast. Talk about X, Y, and Z. And it was like the way that we were having the conversation that really rubbed me the wrong way because it's like, wait, if you did actually follow the work, you would see like, and that's not to say, cause I've had, I've had white women on the podcast. Like that's not yeah. the issue. It was just more of this like entitled, like I'm bringing this to your audience. Like girl, I could find somebody else to do this. But yeah. it was just like, it was the the tone and how this was happening. Yeah. And so when I like declined, it was like, oh, well, you know, I was bringing this to the audience and you're missing out and do, 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 do. And it was like, no, if you were a real one, if you were a day one, or yeah. if you even just took the time and just scroll, like if you just did one of these moves, which for the people who can't see me, it's taking your phone and just hitting the swipe up button as much yeah. as you can, you would notice like, oh, okay, she has an audience that she's talking to. She has mm-hmm. an audience that like her message is more skewed towards let yeah. me stay in my lane. But it was like the attitude was just out of control. So yeah, I feel that, but I also feel like that's layered too. I feel mm-hmm. like women of color, we oftentimes have this imposter syndrome around like, yeah. do I have enough followers to be mm-hmm. seen as, um, yeah. as a subject matter expert? Do I have enough, you know, mm-hmm. clout? Do I have enough experience? Do I have enough education? Yeah. And that's what I'm constantly affirming people. Like you are the expert. You mm. have a story to tell. You have an experience that, that you can pull from. And that's what I tell everybody in my, in my workshop. I, I yeah. always tell people like, I'm not the only expert in the room. Don't look at mm-hmm. me as like, oh, yeah. Vanessa, look, I want, this is a communal thing. This is a community. We each have something we can contribute and share and learn from each other and stories to tell. And this is what this is all about, sharing our stories and ensuring that they're elevated and heard. Yes. 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 Okay, I'm, I'm feeling right. empowered. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing I want to make sure, there's two things I want to make sure we get to before we have to wrap yeah. up. Uh, sure. One is uh, being able to have sex positive conversations with family and how you go about doing that. You've shared conversations with your, your mom asking about yeah. plan B. Um, and then I do want to get to the hotation too. So <laughs> some hotation questions. Uh, but first kind of navigating, you know, for yourself personally, these conversations about sex with family members when that was not yeah. topics you grew up with. Yeah. Oh, uh, Taylor, <laughs> the best interview I've ever had in the world. Um, this, so it's funny. It's just, this isn't funny because I'm constantly thinking about this, right? Mm-hmm. And I, for me, when I decided, so in, in the college and grad school, public health, community health was my thing. Like I've always yeah. been into health, health education. And so um, I started off as pre-med. I dropped those classes. Mm-hmm. And if anybody has 
immigrant parents in the house, you know, you were destined <laughs> to be a doctor, lawyer, nurse, yeah. or engineer, right? And so within that, it was very hard to like have that conversation with my mom because she did trip and she stopped talking to me for a few months because I was like, I'm just going to mm. drop all of these um, pre-med classes <laughs> and I'm going to like, you know, continue on this like health education thing I've been doing and my mom was like, what are you going to tell people you are? You're going to tell people you are a public health? You can't tell people you're anything! Like, you know, and so within that, like, it's been it's been interesting throughout the years, like, seeing my parents kind of grow and evolve with me because my, mm-hmm. my parents are my friends on Facebook. So oftentimes... <laughs> often so they're, they're seeing them. all of it. <laughs> I just have to crack up because, like, my dad called me the other day and he's like, are you busy? Are you talking about BJJ stuff? And I'm like, no, no, daddy. Like, I, um, I'm actually sitting outside. I'm just taking a, a breath. But it got, it's, it's funny, but it also shows the evolution that yeah. I feel that especially children of immigrants, because this is the experience I know the most, they're mm-hmm. so hard on us and they're so... Um, wrapped up in how we look and how we're perceived because Mm -hmm. all they know is you, they worked hard, they hustled, they got here and they want their children to be able to take care of themselves and be successful. Right. And, and like you said too, this, this kind of imposter syndrome of like, are you enough in that sense? And being an immigrant, you have to really work to prove yourself. That is right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I think that for me, it's like at first my mom was like what are you why are you talking about this stuff and so you know she wasn't really involved in my work and at first uh, yeah I was just kind of like you know this is what I'm doing like she'll see it whatever and then one day I just decided to invite her to this training I was doing for parents and teaching them how to talk to their kids about sex and my mom Mm -hmm. sat right in the front row and I didn't know how it was going to go but I was like you know let me open the door to her because it is important for me um, yeah. you know that she at least sees it right like it's not important that she completely accepts it but at least she sees and can imagine what I'm doing and so she sat in the front row and like after the workshop it was like a three-hour workshop she was like oh my god like I didn't even know there were all these things to talk about like I didn't teach all that stuff at mm-hmm. all and I'm like right like talking about healthy relationships is important like the basic mm-hmm. stuff which is even the stuff that I kind of felt resentment about from not learning at school. Yeah. Consent. It doesn't have to be about like P and V and we're mm-hmm. doing it and we're having sex yeah. and we're getting pregnant. Like that's not what this stuff is all about. It's about how we view our bodies, how we view ourselves, how we view ourselves in relationship to other people, you know, relationship abuse. This is like the, the mm-hmm. list goes on and on and on about all the things that make up a sexually healthy person. And we just don't talk about it. And so her face was like, Oh, man. And so she became, I think, an even better advocate. But I also think it kind of relaxed her because mm-hmm. now she's like, okay, you grown, grown. I don't have to, yeah. like, censor <laughs> myself um, in having these conversations. And so I say all that to say, for the folks who are kind of struggling with, like, how do you bring things up to your parents, take the, take the pressure off. Take the load off. And mm-hmm. um, I sat in this session, and I'll never forget it. Um, can't remember the person's name right now, but uh, Fat Sex Therapist on Instagram yeah. had this awesome workshop session uh, about, like, coming out. 
And mm. they said something to the point to the effect of like, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to do this like coming out process and, mm-hmm. you know, our parents need to be intimately involved in our lives. And they said something along the lines of like, this very European, it's very white, it's very Western to be like, mm. I just need all of this stuff and you need to be intimately in, 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 in raveled in my life and mm-hmm. all of these things. And the point, <laughs> the greater point was like the way that we grew up, our parents weren't like that, right? Like your parents don't need to know every single intimate detail. Just like they never included yeah. you in every intimate detail. Yes, there are problems there. There are issues there we can always navigate but for me once I heard that it kind of took this load off around like seeking validation and approval for everything that I was doing because my parents were already proud my parents were already just satisfied with like can you eat yes you can okay cool (laughs) I don't know what you're doing over there girl but but now to you know include my parents that on on my terms Mm -hmm. and then to watch them get more comfortable like my mom called me, like you said, and was asking me about plan B because I'm giving out plan B during the quarantine right now because folks are still doing it. But mm-hmm. to know she she was like, what is that? I've never heard of that before. Explain it to me. And then to have her talk about like vibrators. She's like, if you gave out vibrators, like this will keep people from trying to have sex during the quarantine, you know, stuff like that. And so it's just it's mind blowing mm-hmm. to hear her say these things, but like, it's, I think it's by me being my authentic self, she's able to feel more comfortable in knowing that I'm confident and she can also have a safe space to ask questions as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And off, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Relieving yourself of some of that pressure. And also it sounds like it's a great benefit of when your family does become open to hearing those yeah. conversations and For allows sure. themselves to kind of be the student, uh, in the relationship as well yes. and be open, open to their child's influence. Um, yes. I know that's, that can be a difficult place for parents to kind of transition into, but, uh, <laughs> but I think it's definitely worth it for, yeah. for all parents. Definitely. Um, and, and just talking about like questions, how to ask the right questions. Um, the last point I want to make sure we touch on is, is the hotation. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, in quarantine, my hotation is really is gone down like way, 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 way down. Um, it's about to change a little bit t- later today. It. Uh, later today, it's going to change a little bit for the rest of the week. Um, but <laughs> having a little visitor, but, um, but yeah, it's the hotation. Um, it's when it's going, it's, it's great. And, yeah. uh, but to even get it going in a good spot, you have to have these conversations and For sure. part of what you do in your workshops is kind of help teach people how to stay safe throughout their hotation. Um, <laughs> and again, hotation is a term from insecure. So again, yes. if you're like, what is she talking about? You got to go watch Insecure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I can think like to my own kind of examples as to how I've had these conversations and how to do things like bring up testing and bring up, you know, condom usage and what I'm comfortable with and boundaries. Right. And um, I'm curious, I'm, I imagine humor is a part of it, but um, how you kind of help walk people through to be able to stay safe in their rotation. Definitely. So for me... I think the number one thing that 
I like to impart on people is, you know, there's, there's folks in workshops that say like, don't yuck anyone's yum. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's like the basis. Like, I don't care what you're doing out in these streets, as long as you have consent and mm -hmm. as long as you're, uh, you know, not hurting any elderly children or animals, like yeah. that's it. Yep. So anything you do is, is on you. And I think um, a lot of times the way that, we talk about staying safe and the way we talk about STDs is very, again, rooted in this, like, you shouldn't and mm -hmm. ew and yeah. ew STDs. And the number one thing I, I, I like to draw folks' attention to when I teach about STDs, I'm one, never have any pictures because mm -hmm. scare tactics don't work on people. Yeah. Uh, and then pictures also don't really get to the reality of the situation, which is a lot of folks who have STDs or STIs are asymptomatic. So you mm -hmm. sitting here looking for, you know, this big glob of whatever is happening is most yeah. likely not going to happen. And so a lot of things that I feel like traditionally we're taught, like show the pictures to like have the shock effect. It one may not work on folks. And mm -hmm. we know that scare tactics don't necessarily work for folks, but two, it doesn't really get at, Hey, you might yeah. in your life, know, love, date, or have an STI or STD yourself. Mm -hmm. what's the what's the point in being judgmental towards that what's the point in being ashamed of that yeah. when this is literally the reality of the world and the statistics that we have out mm -hmm. here so yeah. instead of shying away from that or trying to like you know do the x like get away mm -hmm. from me it's more so about how do we put ourselves in a mindset to feel comfortable to have the language to bring up one using condoms because it's one thing like we do traditional sex education will say use condoms every time if it was that easy people would have done it we are not really <laughs> yeah. assessing and we're not really getting down to the root of we are dealing with um a society that still looks down on people you know mostly women who carry mm -hmm. condoms we yeah. are a society that still wants to call people hoe and sluts for carrying condoms and taking care of themselves we call mm -hmm. people whole sluts, that, whatever, if they are empowered in their sexuality and want to bust yeah. it down every once in a while. Like, it is. Yep. <laughs> but that's why we reclaim that word and we say, this is my hotation. That is right. That is right. And so we still have all of these, all of these labels that we need to empower people to navigate in order to get down to the root of why you can't ask someone to use condoms and then giving them the yeah. language because it's not just use it. It's let's role play to figure out how you can feel more comfortable bringing this up or, mm -hmm. okay, let's work through your journey of building up that, building up that strength and building up those uh, assertive communication skills so that you're able yeah. to ask partners, when was the last time they got tested, asking partners to come get tested with you, mm -hmm. um, making someone show you their papers, whatever it is. Yeah. having it's not just about like knowing to do it because a lot of people know to do it it's do I know how and can I do it without feeling like I'm doing too much because I feel like oftentimes as women mm -hmm. we're like oh, I don't want to be seen as a bitch I don't want to be seen as yeah. like a this or that or like I don't my favorite and it doesn't matter what race ethnicity age you are it's always I don't want to think like I'm you know like you know being mean we have to say what like being mean yeah. that to the point to to our own danger, to our own detriment, yep. to to a fault, 
because we're, we're so caught up in other people's perception of us that we're willing mm-hmm. to take disrespect. And something that I always yeah. tell all my students is there's no more niceness on the table if your boundaries and your wants are being violated. There's no more niceness on the table when someone is telling you why they can't, quote unquote, can't use condoms or refuse to use condoms. Yeah. So we need to get out of this niceness. And I, I'm always mm. telling folks like, that's nice. Get out of nice, respectful. Can yeah. I be cordial? Like these are other attributes that we need to look towards rather than this like nice stuff because nice stuff will get us caught out there in a whole bunch of situations that we never intended to be in or want to be in uh because this is what we're taught and so that it's all taught and i'm this is not blaming anyone it's literally the work Mm -hmm. that we have to do in undoing the stuff that we learned um you know that we learned all of our lives and we're still learning Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I think a big part of being safe in the hotation is being able to communicate, have all your, you know, your paraphernalia, which I got, you got, you got your yes. internal female time, you got your dental dance, you got all your stuff, but yeah, it's, it's being prepared and it's being mm-hmm. able to say like, this is what I need and this is what I want and yeah. getting yours too. So yeah, prioritizing think, pleasure yes. and respect over being nice and pleasing others to disservice okay. yourself. Listen, so that is basically it when it comes to the hotation. You got you got to be prepared. You got to speak up. Yes. I love it. I want to, I want to keep talking to you like forever because you've been so absolutely amazing. Um, you have some workshops. We've talked about the podcast. Uh, can you kind of share a bit of where people can best find you? If there's a specific podcast episode that you want to direct people towards, um, and then maybe your workshops as well. Yeah. So Again, thank you so much. I just spent the whole day talking to you too because you got some. I know. I'm like, I don't want to end this. I'm like, I don't want to hop on this next call. I have to like rewrite my bio with all the amazing things that you like told me today. And like, I'm going to start using all the stuff that you, that you taught me, but it was an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And so for the folks who want to find me, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Vagesteem, that's V-A-G-E-S-T-E-E-M. And I, yeah, I can be found on any of those platforms. You can email me at Vagesteem at Uh, Mm gmail.com. A couple of upcoming workshops that I have, I have one coming up this Thursday uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, mm-hmm. where it's more it's more catered towards folks who teach sex ed or will be teaching sex ed to help mm-hmm. teachers, counselors who are afraid of being life affirming in their authentic selves in the classroom due to district policies or due to um, due to not wanting parents to be called. So yeah. uh, the name of the workshop, the name of the webinar is called. Uh, <laughs> It's called How to Teach Sex Ed Without Getting Fired. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. so it's so important for me to ensure that we have a generation of educators who are not afraid to give um, their, they're not afraid to give their students the tools that they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah. coming up in the summertime, I am going to be doing Badge One-on-One online. So look out for that. Yes. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that. Um, and yeah, if you, what was the other question you asked me? Podcast. Podcast. Ah, I love cash. Um, so I'm on Venmo and 
and catch up uh, at Vagistine as well. Mm -hmm. And then you can listen to the podcast at Vagistine.com or you can listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, it's all on there. Everything's under Vagistine. Vagistine. Thank you. (laughs) That was so amazing. I super, super appreciate you taking the time to come on and share. And all of the resources too that you just mentioned will be listed in the episode notes. Everyone can be sure to go and check them out. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for sharing all of your wisdom and experiences with us today. Thank you so much. You you really made my day. Thank you so (laughs) much. And I can't wait to talk with you again. I hope to cross paths. Yes, definitely. (laughs) All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, and, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.